1: Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. It's fall camp week. Fall camp officially got underway. Um, They reported Thursday morning. There was a fall camp press conference Thursday afternoon. And then uh, team meetings were Thursday night shortly after fan day. Brandon Vogel is on the other line. Joining us this week, a little bit later in the podcast, I'm going to have 20 minutes with Bill Bender from Sporting News, and he was awesome. We recorded that on Wednesday, um, but did, we didn't date ourselves. Um, Bill was awesome. We're going to get to that. But first, we got Brandon Vogel. How are you, man?
0: I'm doing well. We we made it officially. So I started having practice updates, and uh, basically every week we'll uh, be on about the same schedule from now until well, hopefully January. I think that's where Nebraska's trending. I think we'll make it to January this time. But
1: (laughs) well, Jack Stoll said that he's not planning to cut his hair until they lose, and so he's not planning to cut his hair until January. So
0: there we go. See, we're on the same. We are philosophically aligned on the same uh, same schedule. (laughs) So we've blocked everything out now until January.
1: (laughs) Do you like? Um, this more sort of rigid practice schedule where you know, okay, I'm going to get this availability on this day. I'm going to be able to tell these stories that I want. Or do you like sort of the, the openness and the free flowing nature of the summer where you, you kind of, it's a challenge in a way where we have to sort of produce our own content. Do you prefer that where you can be a little bit weirder with things or do you like this? I know what I'm going to get. I know when I'm going to get it and I know we're going to have this stuff.
0: Yeah. I go back and forth on this. I, I, I like the summer in theory, or I guess the off season, because you do get, you do, you do have to go to some strange places and and really be creative. That said that's hard on a day in a day out basis. So being in season, you just have more access to, to the players and coaches. And I think if you really prize kind of pushing yourself for singular stories, you you can still get there. But for those days where it's just really hard and, I certainly have those over over the off season. It it's nice to know that okay there's practice today or you know the game's in 2 days. I know what that means. So it it does help, but philosophically, I I guess idealistically is a better way to put it. I I'm more of an off season guy.
1: Yeah, it's fun to have that time where you can sort of get creative and not everybody's writing the same things, and it's not like okay, I have to get this out before three other people write the exact same thing with the exact same quotes. But at the same time, it's kind of cool, or I and I shouldn't say cool. It helps us a little bit when well, we have like days with built-in content already. Like yesterday, we thought we were gonna have, well, we did have the 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 preseason Amway coaches poll. Um, Was released, the preseason top 25 was released, and we thought we were going to have Nebraska in the top 25. I wrote a pre write that was Nebraska's in the top 25, and then Nebraska was not in the top 25. They were in the receiving votes category, but it was Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Northwestern were the Big Ten teams. Am I leaving anybody out? No, I don't think so. There were seven of them. Um, which
0: was the most of, of any conference. So I guess it kind of was uh, Michigan state ranks. Michigan state was in there. Yeah. They were 20. Okay. So right behind Iowa. Okay. Um, okay,
1: So that was the seven and Nebraska wasn't. What were your thoughts on that?
0: Um, I guess I was a little bit surprised. I kind of thought Nebraska would sneak in there at 24, or 25, having Northwestern there instead, uh, It certainly makes sense considering they're kind of – well, not kind of. They are the defending uh, West Division champs. And, you know, the coaches' poll is is always interesting and occasionally frustrating in that it should be the most insightful poll. I mean, who knows, like, actual football and how good teams actually are than than the coaches? But they don't have time to, like, Mm -hmm. dive into that. So you see a couple of things where a team like Nebraska – which is hyped or buzzed or however you want to put it based on projection, you know, I think coaches probably have a tendency to be like, okay, how good were these guys last year in in the instance of Nebraska versus Northwestern specifically? um, Yeah. Coaches are probably more likely to reward the team. Like, Hey, they wanted on the field last year. Um, And Pat Fitzgerald does a great job. So I, I thought Nebraska would be in not that surprised to see them basically one spot out, I guess.
1: That's kind of the way my thought process was. My very first inclination when I saw that was, man, you know, if if I would have, you know, which poll to Nebraska, would I have thought Nebraska would have had a better chance to, um, I guess, look good in, whether it was media or coaches, I would have thought that the coaches would have been able to recognize maybe not been able to, but coaches would have recognized what Nebraska did at the, the back half of last season, and they would have been more likely to say, like, yeah, this is one of the better teams in the country than maybe the media was. And then I thought about it, and I was like, well, you you post something in Slack, and you're like, how, how, how much time do you think some of these coaches spent on their coaches poll votes? And I, I was thinking about it. I was like, well, you know what? They actually probably don't have the time, first of all, to just pour through data like we have, like we were just talking about in the off season, when you have all that time to do stuff, they probably don't have that time. So it sort of made sense a little bit to me. And also, um, you know, we talked to Frost on Thursday and he, he did not include Nebraska in his top 25. He has a, he has a, a poll that he submits and he did not include Nebraska. He said, Nebraska has to earn it. And I wonder if that was sort of um, the stance of a lot of coaches around the country that Nebraska, yeah, Things looked good, but this is a a four and eight team last year and a four and eight team the year before, so they have to earn some of the love that they're getting from non football people.
0: Yeah, I th- I think anytime you know Athlon does this each year in their preview, but it, anytime you see sort of a anonymous coach co- comments, or at least one of the takeaways for me is like, oh wow, this is just as like snarky and uh, backstabbing as any sort of like industry is, you know, with how coaches right. like talk about each other and, and notice certain things. And it seems like Scott Frost is clearly respected. There's seems to be no doubt amongst the people who know football best that Nebraska is going to be pretty good pretty soon with, with him at the helm. Cause he's a good coach, but I could also see them being like, well, but they're not, can't prove that yet. So screw them. I'm going to leave them just outside while I have
1: the chance. Um,
0: I wouldn't. Yeah, it would. I'd be more surprised if that didn't happen in some cases than if it did. I guess is the best way to put it.
1: Yeah. Um, Let's move on a little bit. Frost talked for thirty minutes, and one of the most interesting things that that I took away from the thirty minutes he started talking about um, when they were going into year two at UCF, Tom Osborne came down to Orlando to talk to his team. And he talked about the importance of Tuesdays and Wednesday practices when Osborne was running things in Nebraska and Frost was involved, where they would do one-on-one live periods in season. And it really helped from a physicality standpoint. It really helped from a from a mental standpoint. And Frost said his team started to do that in, at UCF in year two. They didn't do it year one, but they started to in year two. And the results obviously spoke for themselves. And he said he, he's hoping that, um, Nebraska can do that a little bit more this season. He feels like they have the depth in place to do that this season, and and, and that's um, a departure from last season where he didn't feel like they could. And that was one of my, I guess, um, highlights of the day. I thought I thought that was really interesting. That's something that I sort of want to get into a little bit. Um, did you did did that stand out to you as well?
0: Yeah, it, it did stand out to me. So. You know, learning that, well, this was another thing where they kind of didn't feel like they could go there in year one. So there were two things. So it was interesting to me that UCF was kind of in a similar spot. If they didn't feel they could go there um, in year one, either, you know, it gives you a little bit of a sense of just the physical demands that are not demands, the, the standard they have set for these guys. And it's going to take a while to get there. You know, that also says about something about where Nebraska started, too, which is kind of the second piece of this. Because, you know, Frost made mention of that when talking about the performance index and, and making those t- testing results public a little bit at Big Ten Media Days. Um, you know, talking about like, yeah, you know, <laughs> there's no way we were pu- publishing those when we got here, uh, w- which isn't too totally task dispersions on, on the previous strength and conditioning in Nebraska, but clearly for the standard that this current staff wants to hold these guys to, they found, you know, I think this was further evidence that Nebraska was pretty lacking in their eyes. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, once we get started with practice here and then definitely the games to to see what that actually looks like. How noticeable will it be um, after just one full year kind of in the program? So I'm excited to see that. Um, but again, you keep hearing, you know, I feel like some, at some point, 10 or 11 years down the road, we'll finally be a spot where we can get the full story of what was the Nebraska you inherited like, um, for now we just get these little crumbs and they're always pretty interesting.
1: That what was the team that you inherited? Like that story is going to be awesome. Can't wait for that story.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it'll uh, it, it'll be a, a ways away. Um, Nebraska will probably have to be coming off of uh, some significant win, uh, be that a making the playoffs, something like that, for everyone to feel comfortable enough to say like, okay, yeah, we finally uh, got far enough away from it. But you're right, it will be uh, it will be appointment reading.
1: It would have to be like a Frost is coming off three Big Ten title game appearances in four years with two one or two title one or two big 10 titles and he's just like i'm gonna say what i want y'all can't get rid of me this is what happened and it's gonna be glorious what else from thursday stood out to you brandon
0: um you know the rest of the frost stuff you know there's always so fall camps really we got this question in the mailbag this week and i thought it was really good uh, about what we're gonna learn you know fall camp is very detailed so learning that Will Arniak is probably your top center right now as Cam Jurgens, who's still on the 110 man roster, is, is working his way back from from injury. Those things are interesting. My, my favorite thing is probably Lamar Jackson talking about how uh, getting interceptions can change everyone's life. <laughs> I don't know if. I'll be more amused by a quote than I was by that one, although it's it's very early, literally as early as it can be in the 2019 season. But I just kind of chuckled at that. But also, it is kind of an important point of view for defensive backs to to have. So him talking about interceptions as being potentially life-changing uh, certainly was my, my favorite part uh, of yesterday, just in terms of the amusement level it provided.
1: I mean, from a literal standpoint if they're not getting interceptions in practice, but they're having opportunities to and they're dropping them, they have to do push-ups. So if you're not getting interceptions and you're not doing your 15 push-ups each time, or you are doing your 15 push-ups each time, excuse me, then you're bulking up. And if you are getting interceptions and you're not having to do that, you're not getting that added muscle. So from a literal standpoint, I think that's what he means.
0: But and, and there is a there is a path here for this to be even even more literally true. I mean, if Mar Jackson comes out and has... Ten interceptions in 2019. That is probably going to change his life because it will change it's a draft pick. Yeah, it will change where where he what he's doing next year, where he's drafted, um, all of that stuff. If if Nebraska continues to uh, intercept less than the national average of their passes defended, well, that could have long term ramifications if they just are for some reason. The un-luckiest
1: interception team in the country
0: for four years. Um, yeah, so maybe he's right. Maybe maybe I didn't take it seriously enough.
1: I appreciate Lamar. I'm glad that that he's sort of coming into his own a little bit and, and a little bit more comfortable talking um, to the media. I guess he always seemed comfortable, but it, he's. Uh, I appreciate getting the opportunity to hear from Lamar Jackson. He's a a fun guy to listen to. Um, you mentioned Will Farniak is going to be taking um, the first team center reps whenever camp starts that was something that scott said thursday um the cam jergens thing it we had the it was either a question in the mailbag or it was um i asked you guys i think it was i asked you guys in the summer recap post that we did on dot for any updated thoughts on the depth chart projection that we did after the spring game and brandon you had mentioned something about um the center position and it just continuing to be a, um, a topic of interest and it, it really about to be the defining storyline of fall camp and maybe the early part of Nebraska season I guess um, the Cam Jurgens health situation is probably the worst kept secret in um, Nebraska the state of Nebraska probably and I I wrote this in my love hate column it's not I don't know that it's necessarily like sound the alarms this is Horrible news, but it it is a little. The phrase that I used was mildly disconcerting. That Frost praises this guy every time he talks about him. He's compared him to Dave Remington. He said that he has the best blocking instincts on the team, and he hasn't played a game yet. And but but the praise is so um, so lofty for this guy. But there's always that qualifying statement of We have to keep him healthy. We have to keep him healthy. If he's healthy, he can do this. If he's healthy, he can do that. Is this concerning to you that? He's not even going to start fall camp as the first-team center that Will Farniak is is going to be that guy. And I, I know he's on the 110, but the way Frost was talking about it, it was almost like, well, if we have him out there, we're going to try to go for it. But he'll be on the 110, but we're not really sure yet. I mean, because you, you've said that, that that will impact Nebraska's ceiling this season.
0: Right, which is solely your reaction to the way Cam Jurgens has been talked about this off season. You know, four or five months ago, I I probably wasn't there. You know, he played some in the spring game. Like watching that, I don't remember coming out of that being like, oh well. Clearly, here's here's a guy who raises the offensive ceiling. But it seems like Frost, in particular, talks about him that way a lot. Um, you know, th- there's little question that if he could just choose who's your starting center on day one, that I think he chooses Cam Jurgens. Uh, and it's it's interesting because. Yes, he's he's physically talented. We we know that, but he hasn't played. You know, <laughs> he hasn't played games at that at that position beyond the spring game. He's practiced there, and that's the case for for most of the options at center. They haven't played center for any extended amount of time. So no matter who it is, you're going to have this this kind of learning curve of of playing center and doing it in the Big Ten, which is is not an easy task. So I guess the question with Jurgens is like how much of that learning curve can he lop off just through his his talent alone and it seems like potentially quite a bit um, at least based on how the coaches talk about him so i think it would be nice to have a clearer picture of exactly what he's dealing with um, because you're right for as much as it comes up you know frost has kind of explained big to media days that it might be something of a lingering injury And and that gives you pause. So the the picture of Cam Juergens at this point is someone who's gotten effusive praise, but who also hasn't been able to play for a potential lingering injury. And that's never the setup you want to see a guy who's enormously talented, but who might not uh, be able to realize it unless they get this injury figured out.
1: Yeah, it sucks. Big guys with, with feet injuries are um, a terrible combination and, Hopefully they get it figured out. Will Farnie? Have you noticed the way Frost talks about Will Farniak too? He talks about him an awful lot. I feel like most, most of the time we get uh, to hear from Frost, he makes some kind of mention of little Will Farniak. He mentioned him in Chicago, and he talked about him again yesterday, being a guy. Have you have you noticed this too, or is this just me?
0: I, I, I haven't noticed it to the degree that you probably have, but you're right. You know, I know Nebraska felt pretty good about him last fall camp about where he came in at, um, didn't end up using him, of course, but like it was, they were, there was a chance that he was going to help them in, in 2018. So to be at this point now, I think it adds up a little bit, but you're right. Uh, he, he's another guy because well, back when we did the post spring depth chart, based on how they kind of split up reps there, how about AJ Forbes might've been your, your backup center. Um, which as a redshirt freshman walk-on would have been quite the quite the task. Um, so even back then, you know, Will Farniok was there. Uh, he probably wasn't the guy I noticed as much. But over these summer months, you have heard his name more and more often, and I think the the long-term outlook for him is pretty positive.
1: I saw A.J. Forbes at Fan Day Thursday night, and I just want to say that uh, some of the guys that are in the walk-on program don't look like your typical walk-ons. Duval has put in some... Some impressive work, Brandon. Where's your last question for you? What's your stance on um, Jack Stoll having the best hair in college football? It's, it's
0: it, I know you, you made that statement on Thursday, and I can't really disagree with it. I need to I need to get into <laughs> the season and and, and see some of the other options. But it's not just that he has a mullet. It's it's kind of a perfect mullet. You know, I know he talked about uh, it curling up. So you're not getting the full length uh, effect, but kind of curly is, is I think where you want to be. I mean, if, if Billy Ray Cyrus is the model here, um, that's 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 where you're at. And then you add some tracks. He's got some tracks shaved into the side of his head, which is definitely something I did back in like 1992. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> there, there's quite a quite a lot to like here. It, he's a I, I will put his hair as a heavy favorite over any other challenger. Um, so it's, it's going to take an upset to knock him off.
1: It is very Brian Bosworth-like. Yeah. Which well, is incredible.
0: Now, that that would be the next step. If he starts coloring the sides of his hair, <laughs> then, <laughs>
1: then then the competition will be over. Someone last night was telling me that they like Garrett Nelson's better. And I was, like, floored by that comment. Because <laughs> Garrett Nelson's mullet is fine. But Garrett Nelson's mullet is very it's very him in the sense that there's not a lot of grooming going on there. It's just like he walked into Great Clips and said, Hey, cut my hair, but don't touch the back of my head. And they're like, okay, we're gonna do whatever we want, but fine, we won't touch the back of your head. Jack Stoles is like, he went to a barber. He got the fade on the sides, he got it short, uh, but shaped on top. And then the back of it is groomed. Like this is like I put this in my story that you mentioned. It's a guy who uses conditioner. It was the value of conditioner. That thing was well taken care of. Very, very, very well groomed. I was impressed. Because I, before, in, in the start of the offseason, I was on the train that all the guys that had mullets needed to shave their mullets. And I'm still on that train for Garrett Nelson. But I've crossed over to the other side. Jack Stoll can grow his as long as he wants, as long as he keeps taking care of it like this.
0: <laughs> he, was, he was ready for, uh, well, you asked him. He was ready for questions about the mullet, too. He called it sheep. He called his mullet sheep which is that was uh, amazing. Amazing, Like it's a, a ship um, ready <laughs> to be set out, set out to sea, which I guess at this point in the season, you know, isn't that tortured of a, uh, of a analogy.
1: I saw someone on Twitter said that it looks like his head has a cape, <laughs> which was amazing.
0: <laughs> that accurately describes it. Yeah.
1: So, all right, uh, Brandon, you've got work to do. Thanks for taking some time and coming on the podcast.
0: Thank
1: you. Football is here. Football is here. We're going to get to my conversation with Bill Bender next. Joining the podcast this week, I'm really excited to have him. I've read his stuff for a while. He's he's one of the national college football writers that you should be regularly reading it's bill bender from the sporting news you can follow him on twitter at bill bender 92 bill thanks for taking some time um sounds like we are uh bracing for some kiddos to run in and interrupt the podcast thanks for taking some time out of your day to talk to us man
2: oh no problem yeah they're all excited as you know i'm in ohio so there was a you know a lot of my friends were reds and indians fans and and that trevor bauer trade has shaken things up in
1: our house a little
2: bit but uh I'm ready for college football. You know that. Uh, I appreciate you having me on.
1: I am ready too. Um, We are uh, like roughly uh, 34,900 minutes away. And yes, I did the math from the start of the 2019 football season. And that takes us to the Florida-Miami game on August 24th, which should be a fun game. Um, But it's the other Florida school that might not know when its season starts. Um, (laughs) Did you see the graphic that Florida State tweeted about there being 154 days until their football season gets underway?
2: I wasn't sure which jersey number to follow or how to do that, and I think you know when we get into these countdowns, I just kind of take it each day. And, you know, honestly, media days are kind of the start for me, and then once we get into August, it's literally trying to put out a nice piece of content for readers each day to get us one step closer. But like you said, Derek, I'll 24th be here before we know it. And uh, I'm very excited about this season, but at the same time, I'm hoping that the answer to this season is something other than Clemson and Alabama, which, which is kind of that big shadow cast over the entire sport.
1: Yeah. I think there's a lot of people that um, just say, oh, it's a foregone conclusion that those two teams will, will play for a national title, but there's still a lot of, um, there's still a lot of fun. There's still a lot of unknowns. There's still a lot of questions that can be answered. And one of the biggest unknowns, I think, and it has become on the national stage, is what is what exactly is Nebraska going to be this season? They're, they, um, If you look at some of the computer numbers, Nebraska, it's a little bit more modest on the Huskers outlook the 30s 40s um, rank-wise but when you look at some of the more human polls Nebraska's popping up in top 25s you did your preseason top 25 and Nebraska was number 25 on yours Um, I want to start by just sort of talking about how do you how do you feel like um, this season is going to go you did your Big Ten uh, projections predictions and and you had Nebraska second in the West behind Wisconsin um, and ahead of Northwestern and then Iowa you said you wanted to see the defense first is that cautious optimism on your part or is that just a refusal to drink the Kool-Aid that Nebraska is the West's best team this season because they were four and eight last year?
2: No, I, I, I wouldn't say that. I think if you look at Nebraska in November, that's the team I was expecting this year that was competing, playing hard. I mean, sometimes with a first year coach and as Scott Frost said, he was going to do this brick by brick and, um, the first half of the season you can almost chuck out the window and I'm cool with that because I think the development with Adrian Martinez will be there. I think they are a team capable of winning the big 10 West. But but the other thing with it is I honestly think there are six teams capable of winning the big 10 West, whether it's Purdue, Minnesota, Iowa, Northwestern and our pick Wisconsin's a safe pick. Okay. I, I, and I get, I'm being conservative with Wisconsin. I'm being conservative picking Ohio state over Michigan because I need to see Michigan do it. So while it might feel like 1997 all over again with Nebraska and Michigan. And, and boy, that'd be a fun game if it came to that. I I still think, you know, I'm going to make them both prove it on the field.
1: I'm kind of right there with you with the Ohio State-Michigan thing, and and we'll talk about that um, after we get through the Nebraska stuff. I want to ask you about the East. But you mentioned in that piece you wrote about the Big Ten West, you mentioned the crossover schedules um, and that kind of being sort of one of the things that could tip the balance in the West, and Nebraska has Ohio State, which is the big one, but then they play Maryland um, and Indiana. I mean, that seems seems like a pretty – the schedule sets up nicely for them this season, does it not?
2: It does, and, you know, with the big games in the division at home, a lot of those, I think it, it just really sets up that this is the year to do it. If you, Even if you lose to Ohio State, you'd still have a decent draw, knowing that Wisconsin has to play – Michigan and, and Ohio State on the road, and, and I think they have Michigan State too, which that's never an easy game. It's just not. They're, they're, they're tough out. So, you know, it'll come down to a couple things for me. So when you make that value judgment, one, is Nebraska's defense going to be better after giving up, you know, 30-plus in their losses last year to all the Big Ten heavyweights? Two, is Wisconsin quarterback play going to be better? Are they going to have a quarterback that can actually push the ball down the field with his arm? Um, whether it's Mertz or Cohn or whoever? And I think those are two questions. And you know what? Quite honestly, Northwestern's getting ignored a little bit. And, And they won the division last year. And they have a good quarterback in Hunter Johnson that they're really excited about. And Those are the three biggest X factors in the division for me.
1: Yeah, and Northwestern also has maybe one of the best linebackers, if not in the country, definitely in the conference, and Pat Fitzgerald's son, Patty Fisher.
2: Yeah, so, so <laughs> Pat Fitzgerald clone, obviously. I mean, and, and, you know, for those of us who are old enough to remember Pat playing, uh, it's very similar. Pat yeah. was a high-motor, high-energy guy. And, uh, you know, that's even – we haven't even talked about Iowa. Returning quarterback, probably the best defensive lineman in the conference in A.J. Epinesa. Uh, Minnesota's probably got the friendliest crossover schedule, and Purdue has in probably the most exciting player in the conference in Rondale Moore. Uh, Illinois is not going to win the division. That's about the only thing I'm safe saying when it comes to Big Ten West, that the Illini probably aren't going to win the thing.
1: Sure. It, the, the year two stuff at UCF, the comparisons to what that team did in Frost's second year there um, and what Nebraska could possibly do in Frost's second year here, those, those, com- those comparisons have been sort of inevitable um, as we've turned along this offseason, and the coaching staff was – uh, a little bit careful in the spring to, to sort of dodge, um, to, to bob and weave those questions, but they're coming. And, you know, like right. you said, Nebraska looked like an exciting team at the end of last season. And, and if you look at some of like, from an efficiency standpoint, a, if you look at yards per play, Nebraska was 20th in the country last year, which I was sort of shocked to see that they were that good, uh, in, in, in per play production, um, but the guy that kind of leads this discussion that sort of urges this discussion on is Adrian Martinez and he's a guy who has i think as of now like the fourth best Heisman odds in the country uh behind like Tua and Trevor Lawrence and I think Justin Fields at Ohio State um do are, are we in agreement that he that he is one of the i guess we'll, we'll say the best quarterbacks in the conference
2: Oh, for sure. I mean he's the probably the best bet to lead the Big Ten in total offense just because Shea Patterson's not gonna run for him as many yards. Uh, Justin Fields, I don't know that he'll pass for as many yards as Adrian Martinez does. So I think, you know, when you take a quarterback that had twenty five total touchdowns as a freshman and he was injured for at least a chunk of that season and hobbled, then yeah, the excitement should be there. And like you said, that year two I don't know if I would go program-wide, and that's probably why the coaching staff is dodging that a little bit, but you can definitely go in on second-year quarterback development with Adrian Martinez, and you'll see that. And uh, I think you'll see it as early as when they play that big, kind of sneaky, great September game against Colorado, where if they win that game, then I think the excitement you guys have had in Lincoln this offseason is only going to go through the roof. I've said a couple times, on various radio shows. I do believe if Ohio State and Nebraska are undefeated, Game Day will be in the house on September twenty eighth. Why wouldn't they be? That'd be a huge spot for the program. So
1: yeah.
2: and I think all that boils down to Adrian Martinez being that kind of Heisman not dark I don't even know what you call it, Derek. you call it a dark horse? Do you call it a uh you know, just kind of a on the fringe of right there.
1: Yeah, I might call him a fringe contender at this point because calling him a dark horse might seem a little disingenuous maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what you call him. Um, But what if we zoomed out and just looked at the offense as a whole? They lost Devino Zigbo, who was a 1,000-yard rusher last season. They lost Stanley Morgan, who was a 1,000-yard receiver last season. Do you think Adrian has the pieces around him on on that offensive side of the ball to make the sort of offensive leap that everybody expects them to make? Because, like you mentioned, the defense is – is a work in progress and this will be a team that that it, it will be built around the offense the strength will be the offense if it does what everybody wants them to do it will be because of the offense. Do you think Martinez has the pieces around him to make that happen?
2: Well, I mean if you look what McKinsey Milton did at UCF, it, the pieces around him it was kind of like McKinsey was the point guard you know UCF has a pretty good running back in McCray, had some receivers I can't remember the one guy's name he got a shot in the NFL but they have guys that are going to the next level. And I think that's the thing. If Adrian can be a distributor, you find a lead running back. And, and I know what they lost at that position. I know what Morgan means losing him, but they'll find guys that can play. It's just, can they step up and make consistent plays around Adrian? Cause he'll get them the ball. So again, he'll get most of the credit, but I, I do think the pieces are there for an offense with the scheme attached that, um, and probably push. I don't know if they'll average more points than Ohio State because Ohio State's probably got the most offensive talent between running back and receiver, although Michigan's probably got the best receiving core. Um, but they'll have an offense that can compete with those two in terms of points per game and
1: yardage. You mentioned the Ohio State-Nebraska game. That was on your your Big Ten preview. That was uh, your your top game that you were looking forward to. and The way everything sets up, uh nebraska plays colorado in week two but it's got south alabama northern illinois and illinois the three other games that lead up to ohio state so there's a good chance well maybe not a good chance but an okay chance both both of those teams are four and oh when they meet there would be a good chance that game day would be there do you think that is a game that determines nebraska's season
2: i wouldn't say season i would just say it's kind of a if those chips fall the way you described and, and i've gone that far plenty of times to think it could go that way then then what do you learn from that game I mean it will be the first big spotlight not just for Nebraska in a long time but honestly for Ryan Day as a full-time head coach and not an interim coach yeah he won the game at TCU last year down at Jerry World but this is a Big Ten game on the road against an actual hostile crowd Um, but if they lose that game I just think it would be can you pick it back up because I, I got news for you I don't think the big 10 West champs going to get out with at least one loss. I'm sure the way I kind of see that division shaking up is the winner of the division could finish nine and three overall very easily. I don't know that eight and four gets it done this year because I think the quality is a little bit better, but you could lose one or two conference games and still win the big 10.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think you're spot on. Um, let's pivot over to the East. I got one more question for you before we get you out of here. Um, you, you, you you sort of touched on this earlier, the Ohio State-Michigan thing. There, there's a lot of people that want to say this is Michigan's year. I thought it was Michigan's year last year. I thought they had more talent last year than they have this year, and it, they just couldn't get over Ohio State at the end. Ohio State has changed coaches. Maybe it was Urban Meyer that Jim Harbaugh just couldn't get past, or maybe it was Ohio State that Michigan just couldn't get past. Do you – I I don't know that I'm comfortable saying, yeah, Michigan's going to win it just because Michigan hasn't been able to get over that very specific hurdle in the last however many years it's been. And and it sounds like you've got Ohio State as the class of uh, the division again until proven otherwise.
2: Oh, yeah. That's just kind of how I normally do these predictions anyway. Like I said, notoriously conservative. But to me, I mean, if Michigan beats Ohio State, it unlocks the possibility to win the Big Ten. It unlocks the possibility for them to get in the playoff. And I mean, it's a double-edged thing because, on one hand, I think Ohio State's still the more talented team. Uh, Big question mark at quarterback, not in terms of will he do well, but, I mean, just how will Justin Fields respond to all these big spotlight games in the Big Ten, and you just never know. Um, With Harbaugh, I will say this. I mean, for all the kind of viral stories that came out of Big Ten Media Day from his comments, that's the most confident I've ever seen him in Michigan and his team for him to say, you know, I'd pick us as the favorites, too. Yeah. Um. So he's pumping them up, and I think it's a big year for Shea Patterson. So they can't get distracted by Ohio State, though. They have a very tough schedule before they get there.
1: I'm going to ask you this off the cuff. I didn't prep you for this. One last question, and it doesn't have to be Big Ten okay. specific. What team are you most excited to watch this season?
2: Um. You know, I, I think... That's a good question. I think, you know, Nebraska would be on that list just because I want to see what your two looks like with Adrian Martinez. And when they're good, it's good for college football. I think down in SEC country, uh, a team that I'm very interested in is Texas A&M, which, you know, I'll go down to another former Nebraska rival. I want to see what Texas does with expectations. So the fact that Texas, Nebraska, Michigan, Washington, um, and, and Texas A&M have expectations and, and To me, you know, I'm almost 40. That's kind of cool because all those teams, like I said, back in 1997, they were all pretty good. So it wouldn't hurt for them to all be good again because I know that's when I really started to love college football in the first place.
1: Yeah, it'll be a fun season. Lots of uh, comeback storylines to be written. So, Bill, thanks so much for taking the time to to join the pod and talk to us.
2: Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Let's do it again soon.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's a new podcast coming next week. In the meantime, readahalevarsity.com, fall camp has officially started, so we will have coverage all throughout the weekend and all throughout the next week and really all throughout fall camp and and, in the lead up to the season. So follow Hail Varsity on social media, read Hail Varsity on the interwebs, Uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever you listen to podcasts, and we'll talk to you guys next week.